0: Welcome to the Nebraska Cattlemen's Herd It Here podcast. I am Ashley Coles, Director of Government Affairs for the Nebraska Cattlemen. Joining us, we have Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Scott is a part of our lobby team in D.C. and represents cattlemen on a host of environmental issues before U.S. Congress, the Executive Branch, and the courts. And today we are going to be talking about the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, or some people call it WOTUS 2.0, Uh, that became law of the land, effective in all states except Colorado this past Monday. And we're also going to touch on some of the legal challenges uh, behind um, getting this rule or now law implemented in all states. So, Scott, can you start off with just giving us a summary and how we've gotten to where we're at today?
1: I'd be happy to do that. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Ashley. Um, This battle over WOTUS has been brewing for years. Uh, before I ever joined the NCBA uh, six years ago, uh, this battle has been taking place not only in Congress, but in the courts uh, as early as 1985 when the Supreme Court heard the first WOTUS case in a case called Riverside Bayview Homes. Um, this question seems to be, um, this question of WOTUS seems to be an enigma that the government cannot figure out. Uh, under the Democratic administrations, there have been efforts to expand the government's reach under WOTUS. Uh, WOTUS, for all those listening in, stands for Waters of the United States. And what that means is those are the waters that the federal government, by way of the United States Environmental Protection Agency and the United States Army Corps of Engineers, have a jurisdiction to regulate and enforce the Federal Clean Water Act. So if you've got a WOTUS, on your ranch or at your feedlot, um, you have to do certain things to comply with the law so that you're not in violation of the Federal Clean Water Act. Um, Usually that means a permit of some kind, either a 402 discharge permit or a 404 dredge and fill permit, um, or changing your operation so that you have no impact on those water features. Um, So either by getting a permit or by avoiding any Activities near those waters um, clearly, the Clean Water Act has far-reaching effects and, and, and impacts of the government. If you don't comply with the law, government can come after you uh, with about fifty thousand dollars per day for violation of the of the law. Um, so it's a very heavy hammer. It's a very uh, it's a very broad authority that was granted by Congress to the government back in nineteen seventy two. And the reach of that law to this day uh, still continues to be a point of controversy. So we know that under the Obama administration in 2015, the government broadly expanded the reach of WOTUS in what we call the 2015 WOTUS rule. And basically that rule would have regulated just about every water feature on the land and even water features that don't convey water most of the year. So if you've got a dry or a dry channel that's going through your 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 property, that could that could have been a wotus under the Obama rule. Uh, this to us was clearly an overreach, and it was something that NCBA's members uh, crafted a, a policy on that uh, allowed me to advocate in D.C. to try to overturn that Obama rule. We did that through the agencies, and then we took it to court uh, by joining a litigation of like-minded trade groups to challenge the Obama-WOTUS rule, and ultimately got some favorable decisions in two different uh, federal district courts that said that the rule was illegal, not only under the Clean Water Act, but by the terms of the Administrative Procedure Act. Um, So we got some good wins there, and that then catapulted us to the Trump administration, where Trump has taken a 180-degree view of WOTUS in the Obama administration, and it embarked on a two-step process to repeal and replace the Obama WOTUS rule with a new rule that aligned much closely, uh, much closer to a, a narrower, narrower definition of WOTUS that was that was more aligned with navigable waters and not so much those upstream features that may be dry or may only convey waters uh, during certain times of the year. So um, those the repeal and replace uh, took uh, were finalized in 2019 with the repeal. In 2020, the replacement was finalized, and that replacement is called the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, and that's kind of the broad brush of where we're at today. That rule is final rule. It became effective law on Monday, but just about every environmental activist group out there is challenging this new Navigable Waters Protection Rule in court.
0: Yeah, so you know, speaking of the 2015 Waters Rule and and now the navigable waters protection rule, um, it's been talked about that there are um, a number of exclusions for common agriculture features in this new rule and now law. So, can you maybe describe what some of those are?
1: Absolutely. So there are a number of exclusions from the navigable waters protection rule, and what that means is if you are if uh, if there's an exclusion, that means it's not a WOTUS. So as far as agriculture is interested, there is an exclusion for farm and stock ponds. So if you have a farm pond or you have a, a pond that you're using to water your cattle that you either dug out or you're maintaining, those are excluded from the WOTUS definition. So those are not federally jurisdictional waters under the new navigable large protection rule. Also, most irrigation ditches are excluded. So if you've got an irrigation ditch on your property that's conveying water, um, that is, for the most part, going to be excluded. Now, I'm, I'm caveating I'm that a little bit because there are going to be some instances where a farm ditch is essentially a tributary that's regulated under the rule. And uh, if, uh, the question there is, is that ditch running uh, on a typical year? Um, so this typical year standard is a is a new definition in the rule that uh, that uh, tries to strike a strike the line in the ground between what is in and what's out. And we can talk about that more, uh, but just to give you kind of a broad overview, most farm ditches are out, stock ponds, farm ponds are out. Prior converted cropland is also excluded. Now prior converted cropland was something that was uh, generally considered considered to be excluded anyway based on historical practice but now it is codified in the new rule so it's legally enforceable Uh, so between prior converted croplands farm and stock ponds and uh, most irrigation ditches being excluded those are kind of the big four um, exclusions that agriculture is going to benefit from under this new rule
0: kind of a frequently asked question that we get um, you know when we talked about the 2015 waters rule, now moving into the navigable waters protection rule, how does a cattleman know if they are dealing with a jurisdictional water? Is there a person they could talk to, a place they can go, or do they self-assess? How How are they able to understand um, if there is water or something that they're having to work around on their farm or ranch? How do they know if that's a jurisdictional water?
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's a great question. And that's something that that's, That line of thinking is what we brought to the Trump administration when we were lobbying them on the development of this new rule. We wanted them to create a new definition that would be clear uh, so that producers can go out on their property and be able to self identify what is and what is not a WOTUS uh, without having to hire a team of attorneys and a team of hydrology consultants and pay them to have to do that work. Now, this new rule is a lot better than the Obama rule uh, from that perspective, but it's not perfect. I mean, you're not going to be able to go out there and be able to do a self-assessment on every feature on your property um, with 100% certainty. But we're a lot closer than we were under Obama's rule. So basically what this assessment would come down to is, is there a feature on your property that's conveying water during a typical year? There's that typical year construct again. And what that gets down to is uh, basically you need to look at the past 30 years of hydrology of that feature. And if it was typically flowing during the past 30 years, that is going to make it a water that's jurisdictional under the new rule. So that means a couple things. It means you're going to need to get a hold of a set set of hydrology data over the past 30 years and, 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 and analyze that. And make a determination as to whether that feature has been flowing typically uh, during the year, and if it is, it's probably going to be a tributary. If it's not, probably not a tributary. That that's the basic calculus. And again, that's a lot better than the Obama rule, but it's not perfect. Uh, We've got issues with some of the ways, some of the things in this new rule, including typical year, uh, that we wish there was additional clarity on and a much clearer dividing line. Uh, We weren't able to get there, uh, but this is a lot better overall uh, uh, than what we have. So there's going to be challenges in the future on on how to to put this into place on the ground, but I think it's going to be a a much better situation than the Obama rule.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, And then I guess let's let's wrap up with talking about uh, some of the environmental legal challenges. So as we mentioned earlier – um, on Monday, the Navigable Waters Protection Rule became law of the land in all states except for Colorado. So can you maybe give us an overview of some of the legal challenges leading up to Monday um, and uh, maybe talk about specifically Colorado, but maybe also touch on some of the other legal challenges um, that uh, have happened across the country regarding this rule?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. I think one of the really interesting things about lawsuits on WOTUS definitions is that uh, there's been a, a change in how uh, litigants, uh, particularly state attorneys general, engage in litigation. And I think, it's, I think with the WOTUS uh, litigation in 2015 on the Obama rule it was the first time we had seen state uh, attorneys general band together. Uh, almost down a political divide to challenge or defend a rule. Uh, in the 2015 rule, Republican attorneys general put together a coalition to uh, challenge it. Democratic AGs on the opposite side intervened to defend it. Uh, we were challenging it with our coalition of industry groups. Uh, and then now under this 2020 Trump rule, the opposite thing's happening. The Democratic state AGs have, have filed lawsuits challenging it. Uh, Republican AGs are trying to defend it. Um, our group of industry, the groups uh, have intervened in several cases to defend the new rule. And there is, it's like bombs going off across the landscape. It seems like every day there's a new lawsuit being filed. Today, for example, a lawsuit was filed by the Navajo Nation challenging the rule. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. And if you're a, a legal wonk or policy legal uh, wonk person like me, um, it, it's like the Super Bowl because uh, there's so much going on. Uh, but basically what it all comes down to, uh, gets back to the, the question at hand here, a number of challengers, uh, namely the Democratic attorneys general and activist groups who are challenging the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, filed for motions for preliminary injunction. And if you're not aware of what a preliminary injunction is, basically if they're granted that, it would put a halt to the rule. And, then, and they filed these motions almost at the 11th hour, knowing that the rule was going to become effective this past Monday. They were trying a last-ditch effort to hold it off, uh, and largely those efforts failed. So in the California case um, where Democratic AGs are litigating, um, there was a hearing held last Thursday with Judge Seaborg, who is the, the presiding judge in that case. And just for background, Judge Seaborg is, an, is, a, is a judge who was appointed by Obama who has a long history of striking down Trump administration executive orders and policies on immigration. So he was the guy who struck down and placed a nationwide injunction on the immigration question in the census. Um, so Enviros and Adam AG sought him out because they thought he would be a favorable judge to their, to their efforts in, in halting the new water rule. And uh, surprisingly, but much to our benefit, Judge uh, sided with with uh, with us, basically, and said, hey, no, Democratic AGs do not make a strong case to show a, a substantial likelihood of harm, and therefore I am not granting uh, an injunction of the rule before it takes effect. And his opinion went into great detail about how the government did, uh, did its due diligence in developing the rule and crossed all its T's and dotted its I's and met the requirements of the Administrative Procedure Act. And this is all really good because it portends victory for uh, the, the decision on the merits down the road with Judge Seaborg. So we were really happy to see that decision. Now, the interesting thing is that two hours after Judge Seaborg issued his decision, the judge in Colorado uh, issued a conflicting decision that went the opposite way. He, he issued a stay of the Navigable Waters Protection Rule limited to the state of Colorado, um, and he kind of went the complete opposite direction on his thinking and rationale. For how he got there, he found that there was potentially a substantial likelihood that um, that the challengers of the rule would would, would prevail on the merits and place a stay on the rule, uh, to the state of Colorado. Um, so that's what we're living under today. All states but Colorado have uh, the navigable waters protection rule as effective law, uh, starting on the past Monday. That uh, continues to be the case. Uh, the Department of Justice has actually filed an appeal of the Colorado state. Uh, so we're expecting that uh, that, that state may be overturned because on, on its face, it, it, it actually uh, was imper, uh, impermissibly uh, read uh, the Marx doctrine out of, out of how this rule functions. And that, I won't get too deep into the, the nerdy legalese of it, but it, the Colorado decision was a pretty bad one. It wasn't well supported, so we think it'll get overturned on appeal. Uh, so that's where we're at today. Um, there's a lot of litigation going on. Um, it's possible that uh, th- that this decision of, of PI gets appealed to the Supreme Court. That's, that's a possibility. Another possibility is that it just proceeds to the merits in California and the other cases, and those decisions ultimately get appealed up to the circuits, and and we see the Supreme Court take it up at that time. Um, and I think ultimately where this is going is the Supreme Court. They're the ones who are going to be able to make a final decision as to the the legality of the new natural waters protection rule. I personally think that the government's done a great job in developing it, and it will be upheld uh, by the Supreme Court. Uh, So the quicker we can get it there, the better, and then we can hopefully put an end to this chapter of the the WOTUS um, book, and (laughs) farmers and ranchers can keep doing their jobs without having to be concerned about continually moving goalposts. Uh, that are happening in this space
0: thank you scott so i guess to i get kind of wrap up here uh, a two-part question one we've thrown a lot of information at folks here in the past 20 minutes or so where can people go if they want to look up more information or learn more about the new navigable waters protection rule and
1: so epa has a really good website that has some uh, fact sheets some one page kind of short and to the to the point fact sheets that are specifically directed to agricultural producers and rural communities so if you go to epa.gov slash nwpr nwpr stands for navigable waters protection rule that again is epa.gov nwpr you can find all their resources there including those fact sheets so for someone who's picking this up for the first time and wants to start navigating what this looks like that's the best place to go there are some one-pagers there that really do a good job of it. There's pictures of different features and whether they would fall in or out of, of jurisdiction, so that's a great first step. You can also go to ncba.org. We've got resources on our policy website uh, that overview the issue, and certainly folks can reach out to me directly if you have had any uh, itching questions on how this all plays out. I'd be happy to be a resource to you all. Uh, that's my job, and it's what I do every day. So um, feel free to give me a shout, shoot me an email, and uh, I will uh, talk with you about it.
0: Awesome. So the second part of that question means you've talked about some of these environmental legal challenges. Where can people go or how can people stay kind of up to speed on what the progress of those are?
1: Absolutely. So as NCBA as is, is an active litigant in these cases um, and also filing for intervention in several of them as well, um, we are on the forefront of defending this rule in the courts. Uh, and to that end, I am sending out Updates Every time a major milestone happens. So on, on Monday, I sent out an update to our affiliates and our members about the state of affairs with the with the stay and the in uh, the, uh, the fact that the rule is now effective in 49 states. And then I'll be continuing to issue out information to our affiliates and members as as major milestones occur in the in the litigation. So if you're an NCBA member, you're getting that information right now. Uh, if you're not, please consider joining up to be an NCBA member, and you can have access to, to all that information as it's happening.
0: Fantastic. Thank you. And again, this is the Nebraska Academy's Heard It Here podcast. With, uh, I'm Ashley Coles, Director of Government Affairs. And joining us, we have Scott Yeager, who is the Chief Environmental Counsel for NCBA. And we are talking about the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. Scott, thank you very, very much for joining us today. And uh, for folks in the future, um, you can find the podcast on the Nebraska Cattlemen's website and all of our social media platforms.